This past week, we've been reading through the book of Ruth for this part of the story. And it follows on the heels of last week's reading and last week's sermon from the book of Judges. Now, you'll remember from last week that we heard about several of those judges, people like Deborah and Gideon and Samson. And you'll remember that this period of the judges, which covered several hundred years, was a time of cyclical conflict between Israel and other nations. And this cycle of conflict was caused by the cyclical nature of Israel not trusting in God, and so getting themselves in some kind of trouble, and then crying out to God for help, God raising up a judge to come and save them, followed by a time of peace in the land, and then going back to business as usual and not trusting God, and the cycle would start over again. The book of Ruth is set in this time period. In fact, the opening verse of Ruth says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And right away, we are introduced to a man by the name of Elimelech. He is from the town of Bethlehem in Judah. And ironically, the name Bethlehem literally means house of bread. Only there wasn't any bread in Bethlehem at this time. And Elimelech lived there in Bethlehem with his wife Naomi and their two sons who were named Malon and Kilian. And because of the famine, Elimelech started searching for a new place to live so that he would still be able to provide for his family. And he heard that the famine wasn't as bad in the nearby land of Moab. And so he decided to move his family there. Now, it's going to help us understand this story better if we know that nobody in Israel liked Moab. Now, the Moabites were distantly related cousins to the Israelites through Abraham's nephew, Lot. But the Moabites had intermarried with foreigners, and the Israelites considered all of those Moabites to be foreigners. Moab was this land kind of south and east of the Dead Sea, south and east of Israel. Their religion was different than Israel's. They worshipped lots of different gods. The Moabites opposed Israel during many of the years of the judges, fighting them in battle. They had even tried to prevent them from ever entering the promised land in the first place. When Israel wanted to take a shortcut through Moab into the promised land, Moab wouldn't let them. There was so much hostility between these two nations. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 3 tells us that no Moabite, even to the 10th generation, is to be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. So you get the picture, right? Israel does not like Moab. So you can begin to imagine how severe the famine must have been, how hungry Elimelech and his family must have been to decide that it was ever even going to be worth moving the family to Moab. 
I'm sure they thought that eventually one day the famine would end and they would be able to move back home again to Bethlehem. But you see, before that could happen, Elimelech died and he left his widow Naomi with two sons. They both grew up and they married Moabite women and they all lived together in Moab for another 10 years. But then Naomi's two sons also died before they ever had any children of their own. And so now there are three widows, Naomi and her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. And in that day and in that time, that was a total disaster. Because you see, in a patriarchal society, these women, women would be destitute without a man to take care of them. They couldn't just go out and find a job to support themselves. They weren't even allowed to own property. A woman's sole role in society was to marry and to bear children. Now, fortunately, Naomi had heard that God had restored the land of Israel to some prosperity again. And so she decided that she would return to her home in Bethlehem because there was nothing left in Moab for her anymore. Naomi tried to convince both of her daughters-in-law to, to go back to their families of origin in the hopes that they might find new husbands there in Moab and marry them. And eventually Orpah agreed to do just that. But the Bible tells us that Ruth clung to Naomi and she refused to leave her side. Naomi again tried to convince Ruth to stay with her own people. And the Bible says... But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So Ruth and Naomi set off from the land of Moab, probably on foot, to head to Bethlehem. It's a distance of about 50 miles or so, but it is 50 miles over some pretty rugged terrain. And if it was just these two women traveling alone, you can imagine the extra layer of danger that was added on top of the trip. So you can imagine the great deal of unconditional love for her mother-in-law that Ruth displays in making this commitment to her. Her devotion, her loyalty, her unconditional love are really quite remarkable. I mean, think about it. Ruth is making a break from everything that she had ever known up to this point. She'd be leaving her blood relatives. She'd be leaving her people and the culture that she knew. She was turning away from her gods, and she was turning toward the people and the culture and the God of Israel. I mean, even today, it is a major decision to pull up stakes and move to a foreign country. But imagine what that must have been like almost 3,000 years ago, between the time when the judges ruled in Israel and the time of Israel's first king, Saul. 
In that time period, many people never left the villagers or the surrounding area into which they were born. Ruth May had never been more than several miles away from her own village. There was no such thing back then as converting from one religion to another religion. In the ancient world, each ethnic people had their own god, or maybe more accurately, the people believed that each local god ruled over the local people that lived there. So when Ruth declares, where you go, I will go, your people will be my people, your God will be my God, and where you die, I will die, she is displaying an everlasting commitment, an unconditional love to Naomi, to Naomi's people, and to her God. Now, have you ever known someone that no matter what happened to them, they seem to complain about it. You met maybe one or two of those in your life before. Yeah. Well, a number of years ago, there was a monk who joined a monastery and he took a vow of silence. And after the first 10 years of living there, his superior called him in and asked, do you have anything to say? And the monk said, food bad. And so another 10 years go on, and once again, the monk had the opportunity to voice his thoughts, and this time he said, bed hard. And another 10 years went by, and finally he's called in one more time by his superior, and when asked if he had anything to say, he said, I quit. <laughs> and then the superior said, that doesn't surprise me one bit. You've done nothing but complain ever since you got here. Naomi might be considered a complainer. In verse 18, it says, when she saw that Ruth was determined to go to Bethlehem with her, she said no more to her. Of course, this could mean that Naomi accepted that Ruth was determined to go with her, and thus she said no more about it. But it could also mean, however, that when Naomi realized Ruth was not going to stay in Moab where she belonged, that she refused to speak to her anymore. And so these two women set off, and when they arrive in Bethlehem, the women of the town of Bethlehem say, is that you, Naomi? You see, they remember her, even though it's been a number of years since she had moved away. And then Naomi said, don't call me Naomi anymore, for that name means sweet and pleasant. Instead, call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. She says, I went away full. Remember, she did have a husband and two sons then, but their bellies had not been full. There was a famine in the land. And she said, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And in fairness to Naomi, she did lose her husband and her two sons but she has gained a daughter-in-law who is very faithful, who loves her very much. And can't you just imagine Ruth upon hearing Naomi declare this, just staring back at her incredulously and thinking to herself something like, what am I, chopped liver in your eyes? Right on the heels of Ruth's soliloquy of loyalty and unconditional love, Naomi complains that she is empty and bitter. And now Naomi and Ruth have arrived back in town just at the start of the barley harvest. 
And if they're going to have anything to eat at all, they are going to have to glean behind the workers who were out in the fields harvesting the crop. Now, because God cares for people who are down on their luck and in trouble, God had made laws. He made provisions for people in all kinds of different circumstances. He even made laws to protect poor people to make sure that they would be able to eat. In Leviticus chapter 9, verses 9 to 10, we find these words. When you harvest your land, don't harvest right up to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings from the harvest. Don't strip your vineyard bare or go back and pick up the fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am God, your God. Now, there was a relative of Elimelech's whose name was Boaz, and he owned a farm there in Bethlehem, and his workers were busy at this time of year harvesting his barley crop. And it just so happened that this was the exact field where Ruth went to work gathering up the leftovers that were behind the harvesters. She went and she worked hard all day long, and Boaz's workers noticed how how hard Ruth had been working, her dedication. And so when Boaz returned to his farm after running some errands in town in Bethlehem, he asked the foreman who this young woman was. He didn't recognize her. And Boaz was told that she was the young woman who had returned from Moab with Naomi. And so Boaz went over and he spoke with Ruth and he kind of took her under his care he told her that she had to go come back and, and make sure that she only gleaned on his farm, not to go to any other farms to glean. He had told his men who were harvesting not to bother her, to leave her alone, and that she was more than welcome if she got thirsty or, or tired to quench her thirst from the water jars that had been filled by his own hired hands. Ruth is absolutely overwhelmed by Boaz's kindness. The Bible says, at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And later that day, when it was mealtime, Boaz invited Ruth to have dinner with all the workers and with him. Boaz gave her some of the leftovers to take home with her that night. And when the meal was finished, Ruth worked a little bit longer, threshing what she had gathered that day, and then she started on her way back home to Naomi. Ruth had found acceptance from Boaz. She was not from the same country of Judah. She was a foreigner. And she was from a country that was usually at odds with Judah. Ruth risked being rejected as a Moabite. But instead, she found acceptance. Not for where she was from, but for her character, for her dreams, for her desires. Have you ever tried to be a part of a group and it didn't matter how hard you tried 
or how long you had been a part of the group that everything pointed to, everything indicated that you would never be considered fully an insider, that you'd always be a little bit at least on the outside looking in. I think that must have been how Ruth felt. It seems to me that more and more we hear about American citizens who are being told to go back to the country where they came from. Like that can even be a thing if you're an American and you were born here. That kind of talk is ugly, but that kind of talk is not new. I remember a few years ago, I lived in, on the north side of Cincinnati, and I heard a story about a young American woman who lived in Hamilton, Ohio. She is either a second or a third generation American from a Hispanic family. She was born here. She's college educated. She's American in every way, her language, her accent, her culture. But you know, you can't change the way you look, can you? And so she still has the appearance of looking kind of Hispanic. And one day she was walking out of the post office in Hamilton when a man who was approaching from the other direction said, I wish you people would just go back to the country where you came from. And she was so startled she didn't respond. And the man said it once again, I wish you people would just go back to where you came from. And so she turned around to see who on earth this man could be talking to, only there wasn't anybody behind her. And it was only then that she realized he must be talking to her. I can honestly say that I have never felt like or been treated like an outsider in my own country. I recognize I've been born with a lot of privileges. I just haven't had that experience. I have felt that to some degree a time or two when I've traveled in a foreign country to know what it's like to be a foreigner, an outsider. And in certain situations, even here at home, I felt like an outsider looking into a group. I think to one degree or another, even if it's only a little bit, we can all most likely relate to how Ruth must have felt in this story. We all have a desire to be accepted, accepted for who we are. When Ruth got home to Naomi, she told her that she had gleaned in the fields of a man named Boaz that day and that he had been kind to her. Now, Naomi knew Boaz. She knew that he was a relative of her late husband's. Boaz was one of the kinsman redeemers. Now, that's kind of a weird term. And a kinsman redeemer was a male relative who volunteered to take responsibility for the extended family when a woman's husband died. This law, which can be found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 25, verses 5 to 10, said that if your husband died, the brother of the dead man married the widow, and he provided for her, and he would raise up a child to carry on his brother's lineage. Now, since both of Naomi's sons had died, there was no brother left to marry Ruth. And so the the law said that the duty went to the next closest male relative. So Naomi, who truly does love her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and wants only what is best for her, begins to make a plan for Ruth to ultimately be cared for by Boaz. Now, during the harvest time, it was customary for all the workers to be out in their own fields harvesting by day. 
And then at nighttime, everyone in the whole town would go to the threshing floor in town, and they would wait for their turn to thresh their day's harvest, separating the grain from the plant. People would eat and drink. It was kind of a festive atmosphere, and they would even spend the night there. And you stayed spending the night for a couple of reasons. First, you wanted to protect your harvest that you had collected that day. And second, because everybody shared the same threshing floor, you kind of had to wait your turn until it was your turn to thresh your, your harvest for the day. It was a community event. And so Naomi told Ruth to take a bath and to put on some perfume and to wear her best dress And when Boaz was relaxed and in a good mood, Ruth went to him. And acting under Israelite custom and law, Ruth reminded Boaz that he had the right to be her kinsman redeemer. Now, Ruth is kind of, or Boaz is kind of smitten by Ruth. He seems to like her a lot. He's happy that she has chosen him as the kinsman redeemer, but he knows that there is another man in town who has a closer relationship to Elimelech than he does. And so Boaz, the very next morning, gets up and he goes to the city gate. You see, that's where all important business transactions happened back in that day. And he called some of the other townspeople from Bethlehem to come together and to act as his witnesses. And then when he sees the closest kinsman redeemer coming, he calls the man over. And he explains to him that Naomi is selling a piece of property that had belonged to Elimelech. And there's no immediate male heir left in her family and a woman can't own property herself. And so this man, who is the nearest kinsman redeemer has the right to purchase it because he's the nearest living relative. But the law also says that if he buys that property, he must also take responsibility for the dead man's widow. And upon learning this, the Bible says the man declined because he didn't want to endanger his own estate, maybe his own property with his own immediate family. And so he takes himself out of the lineup. And once he's out of the lineup, Boaz is first in line as the kinsman redeemer. And so he announces to all the witnesses that are there in the city gate that he will buy the piece of property that belongs to Naomi and that he will take Ruth as his wife. And all the townspeople are extremely happy and they wish the couple all the best in the world and many blessings beside. And the Bible says, so Boaz took Ruth And she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. (laughs) Oh, if the women of Bethlehem on that day only knew How powerfully God would answer their prayer for that baby boy. That baby boy's grandson would become the greatest king that Israel ever knew. 
The kingdom was at its largest and its most powerful during the reign of King David. And can't you just see, can't you imagine in your mind's eye the peaceful, the joyful, the tearful, contented smile on Naomi's face as she takes little baby Obed in her arms and she cuddles him. (laughs) Her life has come full circle. Her life has been redeemed. And yet this child would bring redemption and belonging not only to Naomi, but to the entire world. For Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. And about a thousand years later, another child was born in Bethlehem named Jesus, whose mother Mary and earthly father Joseph also were descendants of the house of David. Ruth, a foreign woman from Moab, is part of the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah. She is named in the opening verses of Matthew's gospel as part of the family tree of Jesus Christ. Ruth found belonging and acceptance through Boaz, her kinsman redeemer, her husband, and the father of her child. She was an outsider who was welcomed in and ended up fully belonging to a great family. When we were outsiders to God because of our sin, God sent a kinsman redeemer for us too. His name is Jesus, and he bought us with his blood. He gives us the greatest unconditional love, the greatest acceptance, the greatest belonging that we could ever hope for or have any desire for. Let Jesus meet your deepest longings for love, acceptance, and belonging. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we give you thanks for the story, the sweet, dear story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. Thank you for what it teaches us about your unconditional love, your acceptance, and the belonging that we find in you through Jesus Christ. Most of all, God, we thank you for Jesus our kinsman redeemer, who has accepted us and welcomed us into the belonging of your kingdom. Help us, Lord, learn from these stories that we too are called to be accepting and loving and invite others that we meet into this relationship that we have found with you through Christ our Lord. May it be in Jesus' name. Amen.